0: Welcome to a new episode of Riyada, a podcast about entrepreneurship in the MENA region. I'm Marissa Khurma, director of the Middle East program here at the Wilson Center. And my new co-host for the podcast is Ahmad Showa, an entrepreneur and founder of Howdy Arabia, a podcast from Amman Jordan. Ahmad, this is the first episode we get to co-host together. So I guess welcome to you as well. Um, today we continue to delve into how entrepreneurship can be an effective tool to economically integrate refugees and migrants. As we continue our focus on displacement and entrepreneurship, our guest is Fadi Chalabi, founder and CEO of New University. Fadi is from Syria, and he founded New University in 2016 out of Germany. As an innovative idea to provide learning using e-learning techniques that enable people to access knowledge and learn skills from anywhere and whenever they want. It provides training programs and educational courses in Arabic through a virtual classroom to provide direct communication between professors and students. Fadi, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome.
1: Thank you very much uh, for hosting me. It's uh, it's my great pleasure.
0: So Fadi, um, I'm really curious, and I think our listeners would really appreciate um, learning more about your story with university. You know, how, tell us about your journey and how it started in Germany.
1: Um, well, it started as you mentioned at the beginning. Uh, in 2016 as uh, actually founding the company, but the idea was a little bit earlier. Actually, the Uh, creating an educational system that caters for the speed of everyone was uh, an old dream since I was a a professor at Damascus University, where we deal with a huge number of students. And this was always a challenge, how to cater for the learning styles of all these uh, numbers of students. So uh, this was part of the dream. And the other part came actually in Germany when I started meeting my uh, uh, former students who came to Germany as uh, refugees. And I realized that they also wanted to learn skills that would allow them to be more employable, to get, uh, to maybe deliver some services, to have some income. Um, and these two actually were the reason behind creating a university because a uh, university is an online system uh, that uh, caters for everyone. Everyone can use it uh, to his or her own uh, speed and time Uh and capacity, and also it teaches these modern skills that are needed in the regional uh, labor market uh, in Arabic, which is the language that most of the refugees here uh, were able to deal with. I mean, in German, it was difficult to start with them in in German or even in English. So
2: these were basically the beginnings of the idea.
0: Thank you. Um, Thank you for sharing. Um, Imad?
2: Thanks, Fadi. Thanks a lot. Glad to have you on. I'm very interested in this topic. Um, I was uh, trying to figure out um, why you guys went for the the uh, uh, direction of live courses, and how do you feel? Um, is what what do you think is better between live courses and uh, on demand content? Um, and since you mentioned that it's a, uh, the, the, the core principle and the, one of your founding um, motives was to make it accessible and, and uh, at any time, um, how do you find the relationship between uh, young students that are used to on-demand content um, and, uh, and, and you guys uh, offering, uh, as it appears to be mostly live courses? I mean, I could be mistaken. Uh, you might have also uh, on-demand content but um, feel free to answer that question.
1: All right, well, thank you very much for asking this question, just to clarify the, 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 the relation. Actually, when we started, uh, I mean, I I am personally a very active online uh, learner. And um, so when I had this idea, I started to, to study the, the market and see some statistics. It was very interesting to know that the completion rate of courses internationally is 8% 8 only. And when it comes to the Arab world, it's only 2%. So this is a very, very low uh, completion rate for online courses, especially for the uh, on-demand courses or recorded courses. So when I started, I mean, University was not the first uh, um, online education uh, institute. It was just a new one. But so we wanted to change this game, actually, of the completion rate. And we, I was kind of like researching the idea why the, the students don't uh, complete the courses. And I personally, I, I'm one of these people, like, I, I don't know, i want uh, maybe 12 uh, courses on Udemy because they have these uh, very nice discounts. And I have only finished half half one of them. Uh, so this is how how it, it happens. So um, I realized that in the Arab world, especially now we are targeting the Arab students and uh, the way we were raised or the way, let's say, our culture is built is that students during their uh, uh, student life and even in the family, they are kind of like guided. And um, so they like to be, Told what to do, and they have. A, they like to have a teacher. This is when we did kind of this field research to to, uh, to understand why people are not uh, continuing or completing these courses. The other main problem was language, because there are not a lot of courses in Arabic, and whenever especially when it comes to these you know new uh, new skills that are needed in the labor market, skills that would um, fill in this gap between the. These students are studying in formal education and the needs of the modern or contemporary uh, labor market. So, uh, at that time, we decided to do the live teaching. And live teaching means that there is a teacher live there, uh, you know, communicating with the students, interacting with them. So we tried. And I was betting on this idea. And I think I I won this bet. uh, Because now, after, you know, four or five years of teaching, uh, and around 77,000 students, we have a completion rate of 92%. Um, This has never, I mean, I've never heard of such a completion rate anywhere else, especially when we're talking about courses that are not mandatory. I mean, people come because they would like to come, and they start, and mm-hmm. they finish. And the idea, actually, is when when I am there, or the teacher is there, students feel, I don't know, they, they like the idea, uh, especially when we started using the technology in the right way. I mean, for me, just especially, you know, after the pandemic, online learning was hated all over the world, because they were not doing online learning. They, they just did... Uh, they, they were just using a computer and a camera and to teach traditional education, like open your PowerPoint, blah, 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 blah. So people were really, or students were really bored. Uh, we don't do this. We did not, and we, we will not. The idea is to keep the students engaged all the time. Uh, so we use a lot of interactive uh, activities inside. We ask a lot of questions. Um, we rarely have a PowerPoint presentation where it's you know slides full of uh, words and the teacher is just talking. It's not like this. And uh, the other thing is, I mean, one of the uh, ideas we we also developed actually here. We this the, the credit goes to my colleague Fadi Ambush, who is uh, a specialist in behavioral economics, and we were using uh, his his uh, let's say strategies or behavioral economics strategy. So instead of saying that this course you will have lifelong uh, access to the course, we say this course will be available for one mm-hmm. month. During this month, you attend. You get. You don't attend. You don't get it. So when students actually start to see that okay, if I don't attend now, uh, I I don't get the, uh, or I don't get the access, so they started attending. We send an email uh, one day before, one hour before, maybe one minute before, and then afterwards. So students feel that they are followed. That, that's why I always say whenever students uh, um, um, register for a course with us, I say, you will learn, you will learn. There is no way out. <laughs> I mean, we will follow you. We will make you sick of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we are using all these, you know, follow-up uh, strategies to to be with the students. And we try also to, li- to limit the steps that they have to take to access any session because This was also a surprise to me. If you ask students to, you know, have an account, a username and password, we lose half of them. Uh, They don't like these things. And I don't know, they don't have ways of of, uh, saving their passwords. Always they send these emails like, I forgot my password. My password is wrong. So we learned uh, along the way that, okay, let's make accessing any course very seamless. And if if we have to use Mm -hmm. a password, it's only three digits. I mean, not letters, digits, because there is a difference. If you make them four digits, you lose something or you lose a percentage. So we make it a really seamless uh, process. Uh, And even when we send these emails, uh, we send a link. I mean, just click here, you're in the class. Click here, opens the homework. Click here, fill in this thing. And uh, within the session itself, whether it's um, uh, an hour or two hours, uh, the teachers have to do a lot of interactions they ask questions. We even use uh, interactive boards where students write themselves on these boards. We use uh, sometimes, depending on the size of the group, but we use this uh, the I mean, the separate rooms, the hangout yeah. rooms, and uh, within the Zoom, group, and we make them in groups. And then we give each group um, a, a board where they can share things on uh, online, and then they share it with us. So they always feel very uh, very engaged. And here also, I would like to share with you uh, a very interesting finding, which makes me very, very happy and proud of what we do. Since I was teaching in the traditional system, where I I, I stand in front of let's say four four hundred students, and when I ask, "Is there any question? Does anyone of you have no any questions?" Usually, the first you know, in the first row, there are one or two students who mm-hmm. usually raise their hands. Um, and they say something and the rest, I mean, there, there mm-hmm. is no reaction. And also, honestly, inside me, when I am uh, standing in, in this auditorium with 500 students, uh, there is fear in me. If What if now 15 students said they have questions? How can I answer all these questions? I don't have time. I have, you know, curriculum to 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 do. So I pray inside that they don't ask. And okay, well, whether it's a fulfillment of my prayer or because they are also so afraid to ask, but things happen like this. But I'm sure, and I was sure that there are maybe 100 students who had questions, and they were shy. They were not confident enough. Whatever. Now let's take the case we have at university. I teach usually for. 60, 75 minutes, and then I say, well, you know, we have in, we use Zoom webinar, and in Zoom webinar, uh, we have uh, the Q&A icon where they can write mm-hmm. down questions while I am talking. Believe it off or not, I mean, if I have 100 students attending live, usually when I uh, finish the hour uh, of teaching, I have around 60 questions. And then as these questions never end, I mean, mm-hmm. as, as I answer the uh, more questions come till a point where I say, okay, well, I think it's enough today. I have something else to do, but I feel so happy that students can, uh, or uh, feel happy to ask, uh, feel free to ask, and also some of them use the feature of anonymous asking. I mean, I don't even know who is asking, but they are asking these questions. And uh, some, I mean, now what we do even we record the session, and then I start recording the questions in a separate uh, file. And then, of course, for all our students, this is like answering your second point. Uh, We usually say you have access to the recordings. So this is now on demand. Whether you've attended live and you would like to repeat or you for any reason you couldn't join the live uh, session, you have a chance to access the recording uh, at any time you want, but within a limit, let's say one month or two months. Usually we leave it open, but giving them this pressure makes them really uh, follow the course and 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 do the course. Um, and we started offering the recording of the questions because also students tr- start to love them. Because if you're attending uh, recorded sessions, maybe you have a lot of questions, but you don't have the chance to ask. But when you see your colleagues have already asked maybe a lot of your questions and they've been already answered, so... I can, you know, when we look at the um, numbers, we see that the, quest- uh, the these questions and answer se- sessions are also watched in kind of like the same, the same There's answers. A
0: There's lot, a lot of information that emerges from questions, so it increases the learning. Um, Fadi, I'm really impressed and, and so inspired by sort of the growth of your enterprise and how you constantly adapt and you're using behavioral science to do that. To serve your market, I think that's fascinating. But I want to take you a, like a step back to just the the earlier part of your journey um, as a Syrian in Germany. And you mentioned that you know there was a necessity also to do this for other Syrian refugees who were seeking a safe haven in Germany and hoping for a better life. Um, what what was it like to actually set this up? Um, were there challenges? Um, that you faced and where were these barriers to entry? Uh,
1: I have to divide them to two, uh, let's say, barriers, personal and mm-hmm. systematic or country-wise. Uh, personal, the barriers were I was all, I mean, I was all my life an employee <laughs> and my my father was an employee, my mother was a housewife. So I never knew anything about uh, business and how to set up a business or how to deal with these things. Uh, so I had to learn a lot. And uh, I remember, for instance, when I started, I did the first uh, camp, like learning entrepreneurship here in Berlin. Uh, this was through the uh, Jusur uh, organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had this free uh, camp. We had to apply. I was accepted. And that was the first uh, time where I'm. I was like, Oh, huh. okay especially that you know when I did a presentation about university at that time I remember the the, the, the trainer or the coach uh, said well sorry doctor I mean you have to forget that you're a university doctor and uh, you have these students listening to you this is this does not mm-hmm. work this goes to a trash. If you would like to talk uh, or to present something uh, in the field of business, it should be different. And this was a, a lot of new things. I mean, I did not know what his marketing or branding or digital, digital marketing, any of these things, even set up a business. I mean, uh, whether it's in Germany or somewhere else, I did not know anything about these things. So I had to learn a lot. The learning curve was very, very steep. And after this, Rasul was a 10-day camp, and then I applied to Singa Business Lab, which is a German German incubator, uh, which focused on immigrants uh, to to Germany. And this was a five-month program, and I learned a lot during this program. So uh, these were the personal things that I had to go through learning a lot uh, into this uh, field uh, and how to manage this thing. Uh, the other area I mean one you know I am a Syrian immigrant in Germany uh, personally I'm not a refugee so I have official papers like mm-hmm. any migrant in yes. this country but I have to say here that for Germany or maybe for most of the western world to be an immigrant is something and to be a Syrian immigrant is something else uh, I mean they don't uh, they don't have the same uh, they are not equal. Being Syrian is an extra thing, an extra, unfortunately, in the negative yeah. side of the world. So any any migrant in Germany who would like to start a business, it's the, the process is very easy. I mean, they, they they even Berlin itself is a is a city, I think. Uh, I'm not sure about now, but when I started, it was number one city in the whole in the whole European Union that supports uh, startups and all and building this ecosystem around hub. startups.
0: Yeah, for startups, absolutely.
1: It's, it's a hub. But for instance, when I went, wanted to, uh, you know, I, I wanted to establish this company, so I went to the notar, uh, notary, and uh, he, I mean, I did all the paperwork, and then he said, okay, now I did the GmbH, this is like international limited liability company. He said, okay, now you have to go to the bank, uh, just uh, put 25,000 euros and bring me the paper so I can continue. Okay, I mean, I was prepared for this. So I went to the bank and I wanted to open an account and put 25,000 euros. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Not even a single bank accepted in, in Berlin that I, uh, I open a bank account. And, you know, they don't tell you why. I mean, I know why, but they cannot say it because if, I, if they say it, maybe I sue them. Because there is nothing in the law that uh, uh, allows them to refuse Syrians. But there is something. I mean, they, they don't want to have a headaches. Uh, so it took me maybe two, I think it was two months, uh, through my purse, I mean, my, my bank, where I have my private uh, account, which was open due to uh, the fact that I was working at TU Berlin and I had papers from TU Berlin. And I knew this lady in the bank who... I mean, who, who knew me? And, you know, I did my PhD before in Germany and I told her, well, I, you know, I had an account in Dresden Bank before and now I have this account for, with you for the last few years and I want to open a business. So she said, I will try to help you. So she talked to the administration and after a few days, they accepted that I, I open an account, which is still today a limited account or it's a restricted account. It's, it's an account that accepts payments and sends money. That's it. Usually when you open a business or a company, you have a lot of features for these accounts, like sub accounts, and they're not allowed to do anything like this till today. So this was the first thing. The second thing when I had to apply for the uh, uh, tax ID. I mean, you cannot operate in Germany or in Europe unless you have this VAT number because it would be in any bill I, I produce and or every payment I do. I applied, and when I asked my lawyer, I said, "How long does this thing take?" And she said, well, "It's a week." And this week for me turned to be sixteen weeks 16 seventeen weeks. weeks of waiting and waiting. Not allowed to work within my company, and I, I mean, I had family here, and we had to stay and and you know pay the rent and life and school and everything, and we were not allowed to work uh, just because. VAT and whatever we are asking, and there is no answer, you cannot do anything. So, again, these things happen only with Syrians. If you are any other national, not, not, not any other, maybe there are few, four or five nationalities in the world that are in this category of migrants, and the rest is easy. Uh, so, being Syrian and immigrants, you mean even I'm not a refugee, I, I till today I haven't received any kind of like help from the, the German government, any social help, any job center money, anything. But the, just being Syria for them is, I don't know. I mean, when whenever they see the passport or this ID, something happens in their brain. Um, and here I have to tell you another story. I mean, since I'm talking about now the difficulties or the challenges or barriers, uh, in Germany, if if your startup is less than two years old, you can apply for a loan uh, between 100 and 200K uh, uh, euros, uh, interest-free, and you can pay it back for, a, I don't know, a long time. And it's very, I mean, just to help these entrepreneurs have their company. And I applied, uh, by the way, I mean, I haven't, I don't know whether this is already known, but uh, after I started uh, shortly, uh, a German uh, guy, friend, a friend of mine joined me and uh, we shared this company. So we were now Syrian. Did and that German. help? Well, it helped a lot. Uh, but I mean, the, the bank thing and the VIT thing already were solved before mm-hmm. he joined. Of course, when he was there, it helped me a lot with dealing with many uh, issues. But when we applied for this uh, uh, loan, for instance, we applied for 150,000 euros and we went to the bank and, you know, everything was easy. Yes, you have to do this and you have to do this. You have to, to provide these papers, these documents. And, you know, we were eligible with all what they needed. I mean, we were the perfect fit for such a loan. And then it was the day where we had to go to the bank and opened the account and received the 150K. And we were preparing for a party here. I mean, he came from Munich uh, to this meeting and we went to the bank. And then we <laughs> we met this guy who was with us for the last three months, preparing for this day. He was shaking. And then he took us to another room and said, I don't know what to say, but we cannot give you the money. Why? And he was very frank. He said, because one of the owners of this company has a Syrian passport.
0: So he said it. Huh?
1: He said, why is this? Well, because uh, there are sanctions against Syria. Okay, but I am a resident. I mean, yes, I belong to this country, but now I have a resident since five years in this country. And this is uh, I'm having this company and I haven't done any business with Syria, I haven't received any money from Syria. Well, obviously their lawyer on that day had to check the papers and he saw that it's uh, uh, there is a Syrian guy. And uh, my my German colleague, was really furious. He started screaming at them. No way, and it was refused. Just because I belong to this country. So these were some of the barriers. But on the other side, I mean, uh, socially we have a lot of help from from uh, from the society. Uh, it's only when it comes to these administrative or bureaucratic things, um, it is very difficult. Another difficulty that I have suffered a lot from, and I don't know whether if I say it, this will help someone in the future. Uh, Since I am not a refugee, so I had to to stay legally in this country. So I applied for the residence based on my company. And at the beginning, it took some time. I mean, this was also extra time to the beginning of the company, but then they gave me residence. And then it was two years. And they say, come back after two years. And then we went back after two years and they say, okay, show us your financials. And when they look at the financials, they say, well, now you we don't have enough money, so um, we will give you maybe six months. Uh-huh. So, And it's not a residence. It's called, the, the, the German word is fiction which is a document, a paper, I mean, just a paper that says that I am legally staying in this country based on an old residence. Mm-hmm. And it should be renewed. And whenever, um, when I go to this appointment, I have to go with my wife and two children who were at school and they have to skip school and we have to wait hours and hours to get in. And then after six months, we go there and they say, oh, okay, well, we will give you now three months. And then we have to go back after three months. And, and there was some time that they gave us one month. And this this story lasted four or five years, wow. three months, one month, seven months. And then, uh, and you know, I was always telling them this is a startup. I mean, how do I tell you, or how do I get, because for them, they needed yeah. a guarantee that this is a sustainable business, that I always have money. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is contradicting the whole idea of what I am doing. How do I bring you now customers who pay regularly? Um, I mean, and, and they were not convinced and they were refusing wow. always to, to discuss this. Even, you know, two years ago, I was eligible for the unlimited residence. They refused that I apply because I don't have sustainable financial income. They say, well, if you sign a contract with another company, you can get it. So, but what is the guarantee? The, the, the other company will stay or they fire me after a few months. Well, it's not your company. I mean, this was, for me, sorry, wow. it's ridiculous. But uh, unfortunately, this was a story till in 2020, uh, they gave us, I think it was in February or March, uh, we were there, and then they decided to give mm-hmm. us six months. To our surprise, so we were, you know, supported by documents from the tax advisor and all these people, all these documents, they decided to give us six months. It was like, okay, six months, six months. And then after five months of these six months, they we received a letter on our mailbox saying we have decided to withdraw your residence now you're not welcome in germany you have to leave but because you are syrian according to blah 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 uh, we cannot send you back so you stay here but you're not allowed to do anything wow not work you're not you not do anything just open your mouth and stay till syria is declared a safe country then we put you in the plane and you with your fa- with your family this was one of the biggest shocks in my life of course. that actually took me to the hospital uh, with a heart, of, almost oh. a heart attack. I, I couldn't believe that after all these years, they decide to withdraw the residence and ask me and my, my wife and my two daughters who are in school. And I mean, they speak German like native, just go. And with all the work that I've done, I mean, I haven't asked them for one single cent and every month this company is able to pay us. Yes, I cannot guarantee three months from now, but I've never told them. Uh, Sorry, I don't have money, and I ask for any help. Uh, then I had to actually uh, hire a lawyer, um, and this lawyer was very good. She did a lot of work, and then uh, we applied, and then surprisingly, they got they gave us two, <laughs> which which will end this November, yeah. by the way. Uh, Fadi, so this is see.
2: quite a quite a sobering peak behind. The discrimination that happens—I mean, most of it is is not really legal on the books, but it's uh, it's based on your identity and your background. That's pretty sobering. Um, yeah, good luck with uh, with continuing and, and renewing, and one day, you know, gaining uh, citizenship <laughs> put it all behind you.
1: Actually, uh, this is now becoming very soon because uh, I I think we will have a solution for this. Um, we, we had an appointment uh, a month ago and they said we are eligible now to apply for this. I mean, I am eligible since two years, even for the citizenship. But I was not allowed to apply. Now we are allowed to apply because uh, we have created a non-for-profit organization attached to a uh, university. Mm-hmm. We call it also university, but it's non-for-profit. But I did it this time smart that I did not put any my name in it. So I don't mm-hmm. own it. It's owned by my, my German partner only. And now I have a, a work contract with this mm-hmm, organization. Mm-hmm. And then I go with these, talk- oh, wow, you have a work contract? Okay, <laughs> now you can apply.
2: Wow.
0: It, it seems, um, as you said, just quite um, contradictory that, you know, we're talking about entrepreneurship and all the UN agencies and, other NGOs out there that are doing work, um, you know, with immigrants and refugees and the displaced, keep on going back to how important it is to empower um, refugees and immigrants with entrepreneurial skills. But then it seems that the system just continues to work um, against you. Um, so I wonder if you if you have um, any, uh, I guess connections to some of these organizations about, you know, sharing your story. I'm sure there are other stories out there too.
1: Oh yeah, I'm sure. I mean, um, I have a lot of, I mean, I, um, I know a lot of people who did the same, but the only difference between me and them, they, they have refugee status, which makes their life mm-hmm. even more difficult. Uh, at least for, for me, I can show that I haven't asked for any, any help. I, I was depending on myself. um, yeah I mean uh, even my my colleague Jurgen who is the partner I mean he he tried many times and he uh, he we always try to make the story public yeah. just to save others also to change the system but I have also to 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 admit here that when it comes yes to this Syrian thing you know when it comes to the bank I was told by this lady for instance in the bank because I know her she said you know our problem is there are sanctions against Syria. And these sanctions come from the mm. United States, which is controlling the banking system. If for any reason, you and in your business, you decide one day to send money to Syria or someone pays you money from Syria, and it hits our accounts, in 24 hours, all our banks will shut down and we have to pay, I don't know how, how many, million of dollars of fine, and we lose business. So do you want our, uh, you know, managers to risk this just because maybe one day you will think like, oh, someone will send you money from Syria? So no, I mean, let's not have you in and we don't have this risk and danger. So actually she, says, she said, when I, I opened this, she said, this is on the condition that I don't do any mm-hmm, transaction mm-hmm. with Syria. I do, I block all my accounts and I will never have a chance again. And I understand this. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's not the people it's yeah the system and the, uh, sometimes there is even when you, I mean I lived in the United States for for two years of my life and there I've met maybe the nicest people I've ever met in my life so it's not that it's American or, or Americans or Europeans it's yeah sometimes it's the system or sometimes even you know I I have also to admit that there were men, some Syrians who did problems and that's why um, the institutions in this country or in the European Union had to react and unfortunately it's always like this the, the good people pay the, the price uh, that there are new regulations or new restrictions for all Syrians but this includes the goods and the bads and the goods usually pay the price mm-hmm.
2: yeah that's true. Um, have you have you been uh, in touch with other uh, Syrians in Germany maybe through through teaching or business uh, that have a, that have a challenging status? And uh, do they? How do they even operate? Um, uh, if they can, if if you had trouble getting bank accounts, uh, going live, and other things like that. So I don't, I don't know. Do you consider yourself uh, your journey in uh, in Europe setting up your business? Do you consider it as uh, an anomaly, or is it uh, a typical uh, hurdle uh, for, for other Syrians?
1: No, I would say it's typical for other Syrians. I, uh, you know, when I was in this SINGA program within this incubator, everyone there, all the Syrians, were not able to open bank accounts. I mean, now everyone has a bank account. And to be honest, I don't know how each one managed, but I think each one managed in a different way, which is not systematic. Uh, uh, so everyone managed uh, managed to have their companies and things, but. Um, I'm not aware of all the details of the struggle, but every single one of them struggled. And I think maybe last year was the first opening after Corona. There was a summer. I think it was last summer. I also met, uh, uh, there is an initiative in Germany called Migrapreneur. It's for entrepreneurs who are from migrant backgrounds. And uh, during that event last year, I met a lot of Latin American uh, entrepreneurs. I was surprised that some of them, or maybe most of them, also had difficulties. Some of them are similar to my difficulties, and some of them are even different than mine. So, obviously, yes, people suffer uh, from these things for reasons or others.
0: This is um, indeed a global cha- challenge, but particularly, I think, um, in in Europe, as, you know, Ahmed mentioned, the... Uh, the identity issue and the maybe the policies are not necessarily discriminatory, but the practices may be
1: yeah, uh, practice due to sometimes. some of
0: the um, systematic issues that you've uh, talked about. Um, but I, I'm i still very hopeful because the work that you're doing is really about um, giving back to your community, um, not only the Syrian community, but the Arab-speaking world. Um, and I want to go back to that a little bit. Um, and just ask you maybe to tell us a little bit more about, you know, phase two. You know, in in you know following up on um, the models that you're um, that you're uh, active online um, in terms of the e-learning uh, pedagogies. So, w- what's the next step for university? Um, how do you see yourself scaling, for example?
1: Yeah, thank you very for, for this question. Um, Last year, you know, or let's say, now we are making at phase three. I would say so. Phase two uh, or phase one, what well, I, I described before. Phase two was we wanted to give, let's say, um, more credibility to the to the certificate that comes from university. Uh, we want to make us or university a name that is recognized in the in the Arab world. So at that time, we planned to have. Um, partnerships with big organizations or big names. And uh, we had uh, uh, on, on our list, Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, and we tried with uh, three of them and we succeeded with two of them. I mean, we uh, two years ago or three years ago, we, we signed a big agreement with Google. And through this agreement, we could uh, provide a lot of uh, skills, training and the certificates that were coming from these trainings were having both logos, university and uh, Google. Google. For wow. us, this was a great achievement to have our, I mean, the name of a very small uh, uh, baby uh, startup with a huge company. And this okay. happened again with with uh, Facebook. And now we are phase three, which haven't started yet. We've been planning for it. it's taking more time than we uh, uh, anticipated. It is. To associate us, or actually, the idea came from the students themselves. I mean, whenever we uh, teach the students, they ask us, "Is there a certificate?" Yes, there is. But and they ask me, "Is it recognized?" And I'm 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 very frank with these things. Say, hey, "Well, I am the founder of the university, but if you ask me, what is the value of the certificate that we are giving to you?" Mm. Like, <laughs> that does not mean anything. If, if I if I would like to employ you who has graduated from university, I will test you. I will not be convinced by a certificate, even if you bring it from Harvard. I mean, if I would like to employ you, employ you in design, for instance, or in digital marketing, or in business uh, development, I will ask you to do some tasks to see whether you know how to do them or not, but don't say I have this degree. But this is... This is what I say, and uh, people always like, okay, but you know, it's very important for the CV, very important for the employers. Uh, We need something that is recognized. If I, for instance, go to the the embassy or to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, I can get uh, a stamp. And this question kept coming and kept coming, and then, you know, we started to develop the idea, how can we uh, make our certificates or our trainings or education recognized at that level, like by ministries of foreign affairs and by embassies. Well, the easiest way was to uh, associate ourselves with institutions of higher education.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And here we started the uh, lobbying to go and ask for universities where we can actually work together. And uh, we can either offer their programs in Arabic or co-teach with them. With the idea that at the end, the students will get both our certificate with both logos. Oh, and of course, here, which is more important, is the university logo or the university credentials that will make it standable. And we succeeded. Uh, we succeeded already with three German wow, universities. That's great.
0: Congratulations.
1: Yeah. And uh, now we are in the in the discussions and negotiations. And even this idea went a little bit bigger. We we wanted to open uh, for us um, a branch in the United Arab Emirates. So I was there with my uh, colleague, Jorgen, already three times now in the Emirates. We have identified uh, a prestigious partner there. And we, we are now in the process of building a branch in the, uh, in the Emirates, in Dubai or Abu Dhabi. We haven't decided yet. That would be also for the whole region. And one of the ideas also behind this, that when when it comes to teaching with universities, it's not always only online. There should be, or there sometimes could be something which is in person. So students have to come there. Uh, so we have to have a place where students actually can come. And the other very good thing that we could manage now with these universities is that there are some programs they teach that we will teach with them or we will teach on behalf of them. Uh, they are ECTS accredited. So let's say you get a training with five uh, credits or 10 credits. So if in the future, you decide to go to any university in Europe to do a master degree, so you do these 10 credits less. Uh, a master degree is 120 uh, uh, credits in Europe, so you do 110. If you do more trainings, you when, the more you do, the less you have to do for your uh, degree in Europe in the future. So this will also is, is working uh, now, but the um, the details are taking a lot of uh, uh, a lot of time. This is one thing. The other thing that is now working so well and it has opened and um, a great opportunity for us. Our name and our let's say uh, um, this uh, this uh, completion rate that no one has has been able to do it actually made us we I mean, made our reputation very very high. So there was an an um, an idea to establish an energy academy in Jordan. It's a German funded academy for renewable energy in Jordan. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there was funding, and they were, uh, um, you know, contracting uh, Jordanian universities uh, and partners, their local partners from the industry and in the energy uh, field. And there was a conference uh, which was attended by my colleague. They were looking for uh, an institution that is responsible for building the uh, digital platform for this academy. And they, they were told about us, and they interviewed us, and then we had to apply, and we got the contract. So now we are one of the founding members of the Energy Academy in, in Jordan, which was launched only last week by the Vice Chancellor of Germany and the uh, Crown Prince of Jordan. And... Uh, it has two universities, two public univer- uh, public and private in Jordan and the, uh, mm-hmm. also this uh, big company of electricity in the country and the Amman Chamber of Industry and us as German partner, uh, founding partner. And now we have the digital platform. We have the co- management and coordination of the whole project. Uh, and we just received the news that it will, after the great success uh, uh, launching last week, that the project will be extended, so we will receive more funding. Um, so this is congratulations. Also on, on the, that on is a really, yes, really big
0: one. Definitely. So congratulations, yeah. Fadi. Yeah,
1: and we were very proud with uh, with such an uh, such an achievement. That is amazing. Uh, it's great. and now it's uh, this academy in Jordan is. is uh, I mean, though though it was launched only last week, but the the, the momentum it has uh, uh, reached it's
2: unbelievable. Wow, that's incredible. Um, and and uh, your, so university's involvement comes on the platform side or also on the teaching and uh, or, or the curriculum, what sort of uh, involvement would you have?
1: Well, our involvement, first of all, is the coordination of the project. So we are coordinating all the partners because we, are, we, are, we have eight partners and we are the, let's say, coordinator of this project. Uh, we are responsible for all the social media of this uh, academy the website and the digital platform, uh, the digitalization of content, and also, yes, of uh, teaching. Uh, I was teaching last week in one of the first courses. We we decided, or we realized that, I mean, this academy teaches technicians or engineers technical things, Mm -hmm. but uh, we also realized that these people, to be employable in today's world and in today's great companies, they have to have digital skills and soft skills, and some of them even German language. So here comes the university. So we are now teaching all the students who, who learn in the academy. We teach them digital skills, uh, communication skills, and who are interested they, because this is this is paid by them. Now it's an extra thing. People who are interested in to learn German. So we provide uh, uh, them with German language courses.
2: Wow!
0: Excellent, excellent. Um, I think we need to yeah. wrap it up. Ahmad, do you have a uh, closing no, question for Fadi? No, I don't. I'm Afadi? just. Uh,
2: I'm I'm really impressed. Uh, as as are you, Marissa. As you said, I mean, you guys have uh, you've optimized yes, the seamlessness really. of of the process from the from the from the start using all the behavioral science and and that's I guess there's there's no surprise that you guys have the uh, statistically the uh, one of the highest or the highest uh, in uh, completion rates. The ninety two percent. Yeah, that that sounds astronomically high. That's more than like like high school. I think in some places. <laughs>
0: It, yeah. Exactly. I was going to say that's like attending high school. Yeah, amazing. It is really high. Um I can think of many places in the US with much lower completion rates. Um Fadi, um thank you so much for your time and most importantly for sharing your story. Um it's really one that that um you know, so, you know really um embodies the challenges but also the hope of uh being a syrian in germany um in the west and uh thanks for all that you do and best of luck with the next um phases uh particularly with the the new um connection to jordan so thank you
1: thank you very much for hosting me and hope uh what i have said is useful and hopefully maybe also uh, inspiring someone else to to follow their themes and uh and can overcome all the challenges because I would say that this is the, life is the story of overcoming challenges or moving from one to the other.
0: Yes. Uh, absolutely. Perfect. Thank That's you. Welcome. This podcast is funded by a grant from the United States Department of State. The opinions, findings, and conclusions of this podcast are those of our guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the United States Department of State.